In the text by Joshua Westbury and Stephen Runger, the concept of frames of reference is examined as a linguistic tool that provides context and coherence to subsequent clauses in communication. Citing Levinson, they outline two primary functions of frames of reference. One, they offer a starting point for communication, and two, they cohesively anchor the subsequent clause to something already established in the context. Also, they revisit two key reasons for fronting a piece of information within a sentence or text. The first is for emphasis, where the most important information is given a unique position to draw attention to it. The second reason is to establish a new frame of reference. Unlike information that is fronted for emphasis, the information in a frame of reference is not the most significant, but is strategically placed to direct attention towards a change. This change could relate to the topic, time, or location. Therefore, frames of reference serve as essential navigational cues in language, guiding the reader or listener through shifts and progressions in the discussion. Moreover, Westbury and Runger discuss the role of frames, or what traditional grammarians have called contrastive topics in language structures. The authors argue that these frames are not necessarily contrastive by nature. Rather, they mark an explicit change or focus in the discussion. They insist that the notion of contrast is not inherently tied to the syntactic structure, but arises from the semantics and the context in which the frame is used. In a context where continuity prevails, these frames still function to draw attention to the altered or focused element. Furthermore, Westbury and Runger elaborate on the concept of a frame as a preliminary setting for a following clause. The frame serves as the starting point and as the main relational link between what follows it and what precedes it. Importantly, they note that the information contained in the frame is not the most significant part of the clause. If it were, then the function of the frame would shift from setting the scene to accentuating a particular point. Therefore, frames act as more of a guide or a contextual clue rather than the focal point of a clause. In addition, the concept of topical frames in linguistics is used to affirm specific elements in a sentence, primarily for establishing a context or theme. It helps introduce new elements or shifts the focus between different subjects within a discourse. Topical frames are particularly useful for drawing attention to a change in topic, thereby enhancing comparisons or contrasts within the text. One example comes from 1 Samuel 13, 5, 7, which details multiple shifts between the Philistines and the men of Israel in the context of a battle. The topical frames in the text ensure that readers notice these changes. They act as markers to guide the reader through the switches in focus from one group of participants to another, and even within subsets of these groups. This prevents the risk of the reader missing the shifts. Topical frames are not the most important part of the sentence, but help in understanding the flow of the discourse. They sharpen contrasts without adding emphasis to the framed topics. For example, in Genesis 3.15, the topical frames draw attention to the change of subject from Yahweh to the woman's offspring and to the serpent, facilitating a clearer understanding of the text.
Emphatic pronouns often serve as topical frames, especially in languages like Hebrew. They are added to assert that an element has been fronted for framing. This is contrary to the traditional understanding that such pronouns are added for emphasis. Rather, they serve as indicators for topical frames. Their main function is to signal a change in the theme or focus of the discussion. Further, the concept extends to other examples, like Joshua 7.14.15, where topical frames help describe a complex selection process. They help readers follow each step, enhancing the clarity and coherence of the narrative. In summary, topical frames function as navigational aids in complex linguistic structures, guiding readers' attention to critical shifts in topics or participants. Besides, temporal frames are linguistic elements used to establish a specific time context for a clause or discourse that follows. Their primary roles are to introduce a new point in time or to highlight shifts in time within the discourse. Temporal frames make these shifts more noticeable by placing them at the beginning of the clause instead of the end, where they are usually found. While this fronting makes the temporal information more salient, it doesn't make it contrastive. The contrast would have existed even if the temporal frame were placed at the end. Temporal frames can serve various other functions. For example, they can set conditions that must be fulfilled before the assertion in the main clause becomes valid. In biblical examples like Genesis 3-5, a temporal frame draws attention to the condition under which knowledge is acquired upon eating the forbidden fruit. In 1 Samuel 13.10, a temporal frame is used to indicate the simultaneity of events, Saul offering a sacrifice just as Samuel arrives, thus raising questions about Saul's intentions. In summary, temporal frames are linguistic tools that set the temporal context for the action in a clause or discourse. They make shifts in time more noticeable and can also have various semantic and pragmatic functions. They are often used to update the temporal reference within a narrative, but can also create other effects, such as slowing down the pace of a story or maintaining conditions that must be met. Additionally, the concept of spatial frames, as outlined by Westbury and Runga, is a linguistic technique often used in Biblical Hebrew. It serves to place focus on information related to the setting or location within a narrative. Spatial frames have two key functions. First, they establish an explicit location or setting for the subsequent discourse. Second, they draw additional attention to shifts in location or topic, thereby sharpening comparisons or contrasts. The authors cite examples from the Bible, such as the reign of King David in 1 Kings 2.11. In this case, the text specifies two locations, Hebron and Jerusalem, where David ruled, pointing out the importance of the change in venues. Another example is from Judges 8.30 concerning Gideon and his sons. Fronting the spatial frame of Gideon provides a contextual setting for introducing his family and leading into a new narrative segment. Also, spatial frames serve as transitions even in the absence of a topic change. For instance, if a character like Gideon is already central to the narrative, reiterating his name serves to mark a transition to a new aspect of his life. 
This helps in better organizing the narrative and offering clues for interpretation. Moreover, spatial frames can serve to make more explicit the context in which specific actions or events occur, adding depth and texture to the reading and interpretation of the text. In summary, spatial frames in Biblical Hebrew function to provide a focused context for interpreting what follows in a narrative. They are important tools for conveying shifts or transitions, even when the central topic remains the same. Furthermore, the concept of conditional frames in language, particularly in Hebrew, pertains to the practice of fronting subordinate conditional clauses to establish a specific context or precondition for the main clause that follows. Unlike emphasis, where the condition could be the main focus, the conditional frame serves to clarify the contingency of the following proposition. Essentially, the condition is not the critical information, but a guidepost for understanding the main clause. This device is often employed to quickly introduce hypothetical scenarios and to make a connected comment about it within a single complex clause. Examples are cited from the Bible, like 1 Samuel 20.21.22, where the condition sets the stage for different responses from David based on the cues from Jonathan. Similarly, Genesis 4, 7 presents God giving Cain a conditional frame, where doing well would lead to acceptance and failing to do so would result in dire consequences. Another instance is Joshua 24, 15, where an unlikely condition is used to stress the importance of the main clause that follows. Overall, the fronting of conditional clauses creates an explicit frame of reference that helps in setting the context and conditions for what is being proposed or stated in the main clause. This makes the narrative or proposition clearer to the reader, offering guidance on how the subsequent clause should be interpreted. In addition, Westbury and Runge delve into the concept of comparative frames in linguistic analysis. Comparative frames refer to the practice of fronting a subordinate comparative clause to establish a specific frame of reference for the proposition that follows. Normally, the thing being compared is the topic and appears after the verb. The basis for comparison is typically the new information presented after the verb. However, when this pattern is inverted and the basis for comparison is placed at the beginning of the main clause, it creates a lens through which the following clause is interpreted. For example, in Genesis 44, 10, Joseph reverses the typical pattern of comparison by placing the basis, according to your words, at the beginning. This shifts the focus to what will happen, providing a specific frame of reference. In Joshua 14:11, Caleb's declaration of his current strength for battle also employs this technique. By placing the basis of his past strength at the beginning of the clause, he shifts the emphasis to his current strength. In Numbers 6.21, a similar approach is used to summarize the rules for Nazirite vows, shifting the spotlight to what needs to be done as per the vow based on the preceding context. The authors contend that the primary reason for employing comparative frames is to switch the typical topic-comment roles. 
While not frequently used, these frames serve an essential function in discourse, often appearing in summary conclusions to reiterate a particular point or to direct the reader's attention to a specific aspect of the comparison. This tool offers a way to manipulate the reader's understanding and interpretation of the text. Further, the concept of reason-result frames in Hebrew texts pertains to the syntactic arrangement where subordinate clauses or phrases are fronted to provide a specific frame of reference for the main clause that follows. This structure specifies the rationale or goal behind the main proposition before it is revealed. Though less common in Greek, these frames are fairly frequent in Hebrew texts, especially in conjunction with judgments or consequences for established actions. An example from Genesis 3.14 repeats how the reason-result frame delays the disclosure of a punishment while underlining its rationale. Besides, these frames have exegetical implications. For instance, 1 Samuel 2.21 uses a reason-result frame to underscore Yahweh's role in the birth of Samuel's siblings, building upon the preceding blessing from Eli. Another example in Judges 6.27 illuminates Gideon's motivation for acting at night, accentuating the rationale over the action itself. The main advantage of using reason-result frames is the nuanced emphasis they bring. Although the rationale or goal could be positioned after the main verb, fronting it lends more weight and context to the actions or claims that follow, making them easier to understand and interpret. Last but not least, the concept of left dislocation, LD, in syntax is explored specifically within the context of the Old Testament, OT, in Hebrew. Left dislocation involves placing information outside the main clause of a sentence while also summarizing it within the clause through a pronoun or other reference. This syntactical arrangement serves two purposes. One, it moves complex information out of the main clause to avoid confusion. And two, it uses a reiterative pronoun within the main clause to reframe or affirm the dislocated content. In practical terms, there are limits to how much new information can be comfortably inserted into a single clause. Left dislocation allows for the segmentation of this information. For example, instead of saying, I will give to you all the land which you see, the clause could be dislocated to, all the land which you see, I will give it to you. This places emphasis on the recipient rather than the land. Various examples from the Hebrew Bible are cited to show the usage of LDs. These include Genesis 13.15 and Deuteronomy 13.1, English 12.32, among others. In these examples, the dislocated content serves as a frame of reference or receives additional emphasis through its position in the sentence structure. While many LDs introduce new, complex entities, some are used for rhetorical emphasis, such as in Numbers 16, 3, where the word all is dislocated and then reiterated to assert the point. Left dislocation thus serves as a versatile tool in Hebrew syntax for both clarifying complex information and highlighting particular elements within a discourse. 
In conclusion, Westbury and Runga explore the intricacies of frames of reference in linguistics, particularly focusing on their function in providing context and coherence in communication. They identify two primary roles, offering a starting point for discourse and anchoring subsequent clauses to a pre-established context. Additionally, they differentiate between fronting information for emphasis and for establishing new frames of reference. Unlike emphatic fronting, frames of reference guide the audience through changes in the discussion without being the focal point. Also, the authors discuss various types of frames including topical frames, temporal frames, spatial frames, conditional frames, comparative frames, and reason result frames. Topical frames, for instance, guide readers through shifts in focus within a narrative. Temporal frames help establish the timing context for a given clause or series of clauses. Spatial frames serve to define the setting, while conditional frames set up specific preconditions for what follows. Comparative frames provide a specific lens for interpretation, and reason-result frames offer nuanced emphasis by fronting the rationale or goal behind a main proposition. Moreover, another concept discussed is left dislocation, LD, in syntax, a method especially used in Old Testament Hebrew. LD allows for complex information to be moved outside of the main clause to avoid confusion, while also using a reiterative pronoun to indicate or reframe the dislocated content. Overall, Westbury and Runga's comprehensive examination shows that frames of reference serve as navigational tools in complex linguistic structures, helping the reader or listener understand shifts in topics, participants, time or location. These frames are not merely structural placeholders, but also carry semantic weight that shapes the understanding and interpretation of the text.